There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I had about 12 trillion US dollars worth of, you know, in-game currency. This is a 12 followed by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve zeros. Which was bonkers. For you, just to give you an idea, the GDP of European economies like Germany and the UK fall into the range of three to four point five trillion US dollars. Here we are talking about twelve trillion US dollars, like three times more. Hacking computer games can be a high-stakes business. Eye-watering sums of money are involved. And Manfred, the man you've just listened to at the beginning, was one of the best. Step into the minds of gamers who discovered how to outsmart the system. This is Hacker Hunter Next Level. Not just another true crime podcast, but a genuine cybercrime series unraveling historical hacks by following the footsteps of their protagonist. Brought to you by Tomorrow Unlocked, the cyber immunity channel from Kaspersky, in collaboration with the team of Euronews Tech Talks. I'm your host, Lara Misa Ingram. In this episode, we meet the man who exploited flaws in video games to make a fortune. This is episode three, Manfred. Before Manfred, the hacker finding ways to beat the system, there was Adrian. I was born in Poland. I grew up under somewhat of a corrupt government. Workers rose up and they were like against the government that was trying to crush her, basically. Manfred's family sought asylum in the U.S. in 1984. And then I just grew up around computers. I'm a huge gamer and I was very curious about how my online games work. For example, my first game was Ultima Online. A multiplayer online role-playing game released in 1997, set in the fantasy universe Ultima. Ultima is kind of a metaverse. Let's explore it together for a moment. Britannia is the primary setting for most of the Ultima games. It's a medieval-like world with a mix of magic, technology, and various races. It consists of various continents, cities, dungeons, and wilderness areas. Britannia is overseen by the Avatar, a character often controlled by the player, who is guided by a set of ethical principles known as the Eight Virtues. Honesty, compassion, valor, justice, sacrifice, honor, spirituality, and humility. In Ultima, Adrian, the Polish immigrant, became Manfred. Manfred was basically uh, a name that I got by accident uh, when I was playing Ultima Line. <laughs> 
So I was killing people with like this kind of tongue-in-cheek, uh, inappropriate name. And a GM came up to me and he's like a, a game master. And he's like, you know, you can kill other players inside of our, our game, but you can't use that thing. It's kind of too little, too, too racy. Um, so he just randomly changed my name to Manfred and that stuck ever since. Ultima Online is considered one of the earliest examples of a persistent virtual world. It allows players to inhabit a shared space where changes made by one player would affect the experience of others. In Ultima Online, you could have a house inside the game. It was a highly sought after item. In fact, players could own virtual property, trade in-game items, and participate in an in-game economy. It was like a virtual marketplace right there in the game. So I put a castle up for sale in this game on eBay, and I was expecting to get a couple hundred bucks for it. So it sold for like $2,800. I was like, wow, this is bonkers. And Manfred became the hacker. After selling a virtual castle in the fantastic world of Ultima Online for $2,000, Manfred realized he was onto a lucrative business. Most people don't want to grind away in the game. You know, they don't want to spend eight hours a day, like, mining virtual rocks. They'd rather just pay somebody else to do that. So, he kept on selling items. I had probably two, three hundred eBay listings going at once when I was paying, you know, for my expenses, my college education, and things like that. And pulling in numbers that he doesn't even dare to admit today. Probably should be saying. And then Manfred realized that he could create more items like the castle without the need to play by the rules. Pretty quickly, you had um, hackers. You know, once they played some of the original games, you get to the end and their curiosity did not end. This is the cybersecurity journalist, Brendan Corner. They wanted to do more than just play the games within the confines of what the game developers had intended. And they were able to change the code of the games. Manfred says this is where the fun part begins. This is where you'd like break out some custom tools to like understand how it's working. Listen to some of his game hacking tricks. One of my favorite exploits was in Star Wars Troll Republic. Let's say you had five eggs in your inventory. You could say, hey, I want to delete three eggs. And then the game says, all right, I'll delete three eggs. And now you have two eggs in your inventory. You could tell the game, hey, I want to delete negative three eggs. Then when you subtract a negative, it becomes a positive, right? So you end up with eight eggs. This means you can create infinite items in the game. Hackers could then sell these items to a booming online gaming market and earn huge amounts of real money. When online gaming really kicked off, it became new heights. Everyone was looking for glitches in games and bugs to take advantage of. This is Christian Funk, head of the global research and analysis team at Kaspersky and also a gamer. Hobbies cost money. And also the, the reason for this is uh, it's quite manifold. So some people actually wanted to have the edge, the advantage. Some people wanted to have a, pre a prestigious uh, in-game item, uh, which would, would be like uh, equivalent to a nice car in the real world, a nice wristwatch, things like that. So um, that is how uh, this whole underground economy of gaming assets has actually uh, incepted. Manfred became a master at finding loopholes and glitches in different games using a wide range of tricks. Okay, so this is a fun one. This game is called Wildstar Online. Wildstar Online is a massive multiplayer online role-playing game launched in 2014. 
The game offered players the chance to explore the fictional planet Nexus, which was once home to an ancient and powerful race called the Eldon. Players can purchase a variety of items, including cosmetic enhancements, consumables, virtual currency, vehicles, experience boosts, storage expansions, character services, and housing items. Basically, the, the Wildstar game allows you to place a bid on an item. Uh, so I'm going to create a buy order for some gadget, and I'm going to pay five units of in-game currency, but I'm going to modify this as it's going out to the game server, and I'm going to say I'll buy this for um, the nine quintillion units of gold. Nine quintillion. That's a nine followed by 18 zeros. So when the game subtracts that huge sum of money from me, it's going to bottom me out beyond zero, and it's going to roll me back to the top. Manfred had this clever move that's a bit like when a car's mileage counter resets after reaching its maximum value. Think of it like hitting 9,999 miles and then going back to 0000. In computer terms, especially in a 32-bit system where numbers can go up to 4.2 billion, it's called integer overflow. Did you get it? Let's give it another shot. Here's some hacking for dummies. Picture this. You have a clock, but it can only display numbers from 1 to 12. Now, if you add 8 and 6, you'd normally expect 14, right? Well, on this limited clock, it can't go higher than 12. So, instead of showing 14, it jumps back to 2. In computers, it's kind of like that, where numbers have limits, and if you go beyond them, it can lead to glitches. Now, here's the gaming magic. Manfred applied this concept in the Wildstar online game. By subtracting just one from zero, he managed to trigger a digital jackpot. I had about 12 trillion US dollars worth of, you know, Indian currency, which was bonkers. It's like making something out of nothing. All thanks to his knack for finding these computer quirks in the gaming world. But having trillions of in-game currency doesn't necessarily equate to trillions of real-world dollars. But the thing about this game is it wasn't very popular, so you couldn't sell more than maybe $100 per day, so... Manfred wasn't the only person who's tried to make a living out of selling in-game items to other gamers. So you have to keep in mind that the vast majority of gamers are not interested in doing this. They lack the skills or the curiosity. This is again cybersecurity journalist Brendan Corner. Um, you have a very small subset who view this as a business. And they realized pretty early on there was a market for people, for gamers who wanted to increase their capabilities within the game. For fairly significant amounts of money, it became a real business for some teenagers who were doing this. Venezuela has one of the biggest markets for in-game sales with the game RuneScape Online. So there's people, you know, going into RuneScape as their day job to farm items and sell them to other players. Like Ultima, RuneScape is a multiplayer role-playing game. It's set in a medieval fantasy world where players travel through kingdoms, regions, and cities, fighting off monsters or other players. The in-game currency is more stable than the Venezuelan fiat currencies. Because of crazy inflation in Venezuela, the Bolivar has basically become worthless. RuneScape could also run on pretty old hardware, which made it popular in developing countries. 
And then they use the RuneScape currency to basically pay for their bills or buy a loaf of bread and do daily transactions. Some people, their entire livelihood depends on their participation in the game. Interestingly, the developers are now also reacting to the gamers. Some companies are getting on board and designing features into their games that allow players to make real money playing by the rules. Right now, games like Axie Infinity allows for players to earn a living, condoned by the game. Axie Infinity is a blockchain-based game, meaning that the players own their assets and it's cryptographically proven. So you log into this game, you build up your character, and then you can list it on an auction house. You get some money and you can cash out. And then you have your other section of your player base. They just want to buy a character from another player. And in the end, everybody wins. This game is becoming very popular in the Philippines. And people are like going their day job to participate in this online economy where they're making a better living. But with people relying on games for their income, their lives are at risk if the game company decides to change the rules. The online game is basically a totalitarian government, right? They can, they can ban your account for any reason. They can exile you from the game, basically by banning your account. And as time went on, more and more of these games started selling currencies directly to players, which was the same thing I was doing. So that's when I backed out and I said, all right, it's time to close this hacking for fun and profit chapter and move on. Hello, everybody. My name is Manfred, and I'm a security analyst and researcher. And today we'll be talking about 20 years of MMORPG hacking. Uh, the title is Better Graphics and Same Exploits. It's 2017, and we're in Las Vegas at DEF CON, one of the world's largest and most notable hacker conventions. There, Manfred decided to publicly come clean. Standing in front of an audience, wearing a fishing hat, he revealed he'd hacked up to 30 games and created massive amounts of in-game money. Trillions, quadrillions of it. And he'd worked out how to convert some of that into cash. Other people have come out publicly, but not at the level that, you know, um, and transparency that I came out with. For over 45 minutes, Manfred revealed some of his tricks. Why did he expose himself at that level? my time up on the stage you know this was like closing the chapter on like my 20 years of hacking online games but uh yeah we'll stop here uh do you guys have any questions Ooh. <laughs> oh that's it all right thank you Manfred's coming out at the Las Vegas convention was a way for him to move into the next chapter of his life. Stated on the stage, the years of Manfred the Hacker were behind him. He switched sides. Now, he is a security expert. So he also grabbed the opportunity to emphasize the importance of prioritizing security in the gaming industry. And he has a message to game developers and gamers. Games are more than just what developers tell us how we should play them. And I was able to come in and show that, no, that you can bypass those rules. A game is basically a virtual country now where you have citizens and you want to attract more citizens and you want to give them the tools to, for them to produce goods and services. Keep your players happy, keep them as workers happy, and as a game company, they'll make more money. So, Manfred is a cybersecurity researcher, consultant, and speaker. 
he made the transition from the underground into a successful public career. And he still loves to play. This is Hacker Hunter Next Level. Hacker Hunter is an original series uncovering the most notorious cybercrime cases. Brought to you by Tomorrow Unlocked, the cyber immunity channel from Kaspersky, in collaboration with the team of Euronews Tech Talks. The following episode is a Q&A. Was what Anthony did with the FIFA game really illegal or a legal loophole? Has Forsaken been the only hacker caught in a major tournament? Are there many hackers like Manfred who switch sides? We want to address your questions about the three hacker stories you've heard. Send them in through Euronews and Euronews Next social media channels. Our team will read them, and in the next episode, experts will provide answers. Hacker Hunter Next Level is an original series produced by Tomorrow Unlocked. Narrated by me, Lara Misa Ingram. Produced and written by Greg Muller, Susie O'Neill, and Reiner Bach. Our script editor consultant is Marta Rodriguez Martinez. Edited by John Callahan. Recorded at VoiceOver Soho by Tom Sitchell and Genesis Studio. Based on a documentary series directed by Didi Mayhand, Hugo Barkley, and me. Executive producers Reiner Bach and Hugo Barkley. The original music is by Mike McAvoy. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate it and subscribe for more Hacker Hunter real cybercrime tales. For more stories on how technology is shaping our world, visit tomorrowunlocked.com or subscribe to Tomorrow Unlocked on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.